The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. Find out about all of SeaDeck's amazing standard and customizable applications online at www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, Dano the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to the Golden Mike Podcast, everybody. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Alamano. I'm coming to you from Orlando, Florida, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Rockstar Energy and Malibu Boats. From athletes to rock stars, Rockstar Energy Drink is designed for those who lead active lifestyles. Available in over 20 amazing flavors at convenience and grocery outlets in over 30 countries, Rockstar supports the Rockstar lifestyle across the globe through action sports, motorsports, and live music. For more info on upcoming Rockstar Energy events, check out www.rockstarenergy.com. This summer, the Malibu Boats Evolution Pro Series is exclusively pulled by the all-new Malibu M235. The M235 is the newest addition to the Malibu family and was designed to be nothing less than than the most ultra-premium performance towboat the world has ever seen. Find out more at MalibuBoats.com. Spring is here, contest season has started, and upon recording this, I'm still slightly recovering my vocal cords from the first stop of the 2016 WWA Wakeboard World Series. This year we kicked off the season with the Nautique Wake Open, stop number two on Nautique's Wake Series, The contest was held in Orlando, which was nice for me, uh, being a longer event with a pretty heavy workload. It's always nice to sleep in your own bed and have your own car to get around. My voice is still recovering, as I mentioned, and I'm not complaining at all, but I did announce about 98% of the four-day event alone, with just a little help from Nick Taylor during Pro Wakescape Finals. And Dean Smith helped me out for Pro Women Wakeboard Finals and Pro Men Wakeboard Finals. The event takes its toll, especially here in Orlando, where the temperature had to average about 95 to 100 degrees all weekend long. The riding was sick in all levels, too. The Wake Open is a pro-am, and seriously, the best riders in the world were in attendance. Also that weekend, many of the top West Coast riders were in town for the premiere of Dog Days. Trevor Maurer's all-new West Coast wakeboard movie. It was his follow-up to Al Soar, which released a couple of years ago, and let me say, I was pretty impressed. Unfortunately, you guys are going to have to wait until the next episode of the Golden Mike Podcast to hear the audio montage I recorded from that evening with the stars from the premiere. The movie will be available on iTunes May 24th, so support Trevor Maurer and support the continuation of of production for full-length features which capture the lifestyle and really bring the sport back to the roots. So let's talk about today's guest. He was top four at the Wake Open this year, just behind J.D. Webb, Mike Dowdy, and the winner 
with a quite impressive victory, Harley Clifford. Of course, that's the event I was speaking of moments ago. He's already had a pretty good start to the year, taking a win at the first Malibu Pro Card qualifier. He recently dropped an impressive edit on the interweb, and he was the runner-up at last year's My Wake online video of the year contest. All the way back in 2008, he won the overall title at Wake Lab, which still today is considered one of the most unique events of all time, and he's a past Canadian national champion. Ali Jerome is my guest, and he is one of the sport's most well-rounded and diverse athletes. Ali is a good bud, and I always enjoy spending time with him on the road. His family is rooted in Toadwater Sports, and we discussed that a bit among other topics, like getting lost in Tokyo last year, Wake Brothers, plus the time he cross-dressed and almost announced the wrong name for Women's Rider of the Year at Wake Awards with Bob Sovin. Ali is an impressive dude, bilingual, talented on the water, funny, and the list could go on. But I'll let you guys make up your own minds on him. Before we get into it, though, the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you free twice monthly and is always available online at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge to you, the listener, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, SeaDeck Marine Products, Performance Ski and Surf, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Boulder Boats, GoPuck, Hungry Boards SUP, Malibu Boats, Rockstar Energy, and C4 Bells. Follow, tag, and tweet me on social media, Instagram at DanoTMano, on Twitter at TheDanoTMano, and at the Golden underscore Mike. You can also follow and like the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. Reach me through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. I always appreciate everything you guys write, all the compliments, and of course, the constructive criticism, so keep it coming. This week's audio montage is the pro audio from the 2016 Nautique Wake Open, presented by Rockstar Energy, and as always, I had a lot of fun recording it. I also have all the winners from the amateur divisions, which you can hear if you listen past this week's end intro. So enjoy the audio montage, and I'll be back with Ollie Jerome here on the Golden Mike Podcast. The executive director of the World Wakeboard Association, Mrs. Corey Wilson. Corey, uh, what can we expect for the 2016 season from the WWA? Um, I'm excited to see the field of riders. I think this year it's really going to be anybody's game. We've got some guys stepping up from Junior Pro. Um, the girls are stepping up. And so any weekend, it's anybody's game. And I think that's the most exciting part. I'm standing here with Team Nautique athlete Bob Sovin. Uh, yeah, it's a great weekend. Obviously, I wish I would have done better. But go out swinging. Can't complain with that. Better than standing up and not making it. So The winner of the Rockstar Energy Big Air Kicker Contest, Chad Sharp. How does it feel to still be on top of that podium and get this big win today? The best part is the crowd. You know, you, you come around that corner and you're coming into it and you can hear them cheering. So it's it's one of my favorite events. I've always loved it and just pumped I can still do it. James Loizel. James, what you feeling like right now? Feeling over the moon right now. It's absolutely crazy. I'm so stoked. What's next for you? Uh, Masters. Get ready for Masters. I got invited, so just get ready for that. Talk about your run in the competition in your division today. Run was pretty crazy. Um, sevens, nines. Mode fives, everything. Uh, Elliot Digney threw a double flip. Absolutely crazy. So, you know, the competition's pretty stacked. 
Nick Rappa, how does it feel to be here at the Wake Open? It feels absolutely unreal. I'm stoked to be up against a, a cool field of boys, and, you know, everyone is absolutely killing it, and I'm, I'm just pumped to be here. Nick Taylor, who just helped me call the Pro Men Wake Skate Final, Nautique Wake Open. We saw some amazing action out there. Nick, I want to get your thoughts. Everyone was slaughtering it. You know, we saw some of our old favorites, Reed Hansen and Brian Grubb going up against, you know, the young Groms, the young guys coming up, Austin Polsarok and Coco Mendez. And uh, G23 Wake is unreal. It is just absolutely massive. So to see those guys boosting and grabbing and flying and shoving, was it was all time. I was glad I came out and watched it. The veteran of the Pro Men Wake Skate Division, the one and only Mr. Brian Grubb. Brian taking a huge win, the first major event of the year. How you feeling? Came in with a ton of confidence and just uh, knew I could win it and just really happy to put together a good enough run to get the win today. Wake Awards Photographer of the Year and the Chief Photographer out here at the Nautique Wake Open presented by Rockstar Energy, Rodrigo Donoso. And what are you most excited for this season? You know, I haven't made my mind up what I'm most excited for this season. I think that at this time of year when everything starts to get going, I just get excited. And then as the season comes, I take it all in. Megan Hetfield, your second big win of the season. How does it feel? You know, I'm just feeling on top of the world right now. I'm super stoked to take my second win of the season. I'm feeling strong and I'm feeling ready for the rest of the season. The president of the Nautique brand, Mr. Greg Maloon, how special is this for you guys? The riding was fantastic for the first event out of the box. Things got kicked off for the season. Looking forward to a great season happening behind the G23. Rusty Malinowski, let me hear your thoughts on that Pro Men final. Yeah, man, it's insane. This year started off really well for me. It's hard enough just to make the final for real. Everyone is so good now. Not even in semis. Quarterfinals are super hard, too. Dirty Mike Dowdy, who is the first ever guest on the Golden Mike podcast. Um, yeah, the final was crazy. Um, you know, Harley's the man to beat right now, and he's absolutely killing it. Um, he's so clutch, you know, in those pressure moments, and that's something I super admire about him. And uh, he went out and killed it, and, uh, you know, JD put the pressure on doing rap back sevens, toe side, and stuff like that. So, I mean... All, everyone killed it. Nick Rappa, the young gun, killed it. I mean, it was just an insane final and definitely a good way to start the year for sure. The winner of the first major event the Nautique, of the Nautique Wake Series, winner of the Moomba Masters, and now I'm here with the winner of this Nautique Wake Open, the Phenom, Harley Clifford. Dude, what a finals it was, man. Can you talk a little bit about this win? Yeah, I just got done with the finals. It was such a heavy final. Daddy threw a clean double, threw a couple nines. JD went out there and had one of the best runs I've ever seen him have. I had the new face, Nick Rappa, in there crushing, you know, he ended up just missed out on the podium, got fourth. Rusty had a couple falls, and then, uh, yeah, I was last off the dock. I watched all the boys and knew what I had to do. I was super nervous, but stoked to throw it down. Rockstar Energy. From athletes to rock stars, Rockstar Energy Drink is designed for those who lead active lifestyles. Available in over 20 amazing flavors at convenience and grocery outlets in over 30 countries, Rockstar supports the Rockstar lifestyle across the globe through action sports, motorsports, and live music. Rockstar is the official energy drink for the entire WWA Wakeboard World Series. Find out more info on upcoming Rockstar Energy events at www.rockstarenergy.com. Rockstar Energy. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. Ali, como allez-vous? Ça va très bien, Dano, et toi? Ah, bien, bien. Excellent. T'as travaillé ton français cet hiver. But that's about 
<laughs> as far as I'm gonna go right there. Ali Jerome, welcome, my friend. Thanks for uh, for being on the podcast, dude. I've, I've been waiting for this. Yeah, this is cool. Welcome to uh, my humble room. Yes, in Claremont. Yes, we are Mobile Mano, as we are normally on the Golden Mike podcast. As I don't have a studio, and uh, I'm at your house here, uh, Claremont, Florida. Right? That's right. I just moved here at Dylan Miller's place uh, back in September, so it's been a few months. And uh, loving it. It's great. I'm I'm stoked to be out here now. Very very good. Yeah, I'm looking around your room and 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 noticing that you've got uh, uh, 1998 99 Game Boy Color, which is pretty rad. Yeah, that's right. I'm uh, I guess I'm a closet geek. I would say. I guess I grew up playing video games. Winters are long in Canada, so you can't play outside for that long. So you just start playing video games and then you get older and you travel and you're like, man, I could really use some Pokemon RPG right now. Yeah. Is that your go-to Pokemon? Yeah. I was a huge Pokemon fan when I was a kid. So I guess it just came back. Who Who's your guy? Charizard? Are you a Pikachu? Um, I'm not big on Pikachu, although I just bought a Pikachu shirt. Right. Um, I guess Charizard was always the, the pick. Right. Yeah. I, I I was into it. I there was I'm not gonna lie, there was a time I could name all what was it, one hundred and fifty one Pokemon or yeah, something. Yeah, the originals. Yeah, in, including Mewtwo. That's right. So cool man. Well uh I know you're you're back in the States now. I, I saw you well before recording this roughly about a month ago, so you must have been here for about a month now. How's it been for you? It's been good. Like I said, I moved here in September, then I left and drove home like the first week of December. And then I was based out of Montreal and Coteau du Lac, actually, which is like in the suburbs, I guess, like 45 minutes away. Um, I was there till like mid-February. Then I started traveling for boat shows, which in between all the boat shows, I came in and out of Orlando just so I could try and start riding. But the winter was pretty cold here, so I didn't get riding that much. But after that, I went back uh, at the end of February Spent a few days, and then I drove back here, like, early March, so I've been here since, I think it's, like, March 3rd, I think, was the first day I was here, or something like that. Are you typically spending, like, half the year in Canada, half the year in Florida, or...? I try to. Like, what I usually do is, um, I'll do the holidays back home, and then whenever I get really anxious about coming back down, which is usually, like, sometime in February, I, I drive down with my car and all my stuff, and then I just start riding until... Like, the season begins, and then when it actually warms up back home, like, I try and be based out of there as much as I can. So, usually, like, mid-June is when I make it back to Coteau du Lac, and then I, I'll be based out of there all summer in and out of events, which, in the end, isn't that much time. It's a lot more time on the road flying and in and out of my bags, but... You're not into that uh, Australian summer, are you? You need a little winter in your life? Yeah, I mean, I grew up with four seasons, and it's, like, mentally hard for me to like think about the same thing and do the same thing for 12 months of the year like don't get me wrong I've been to Australia a couple times I freaking loved it it was awesome but I wouldn't be able to do a full year without like a little bit of winter even if it's just like a few weeks of as as weird and stupid as it sounds like just shoveling the driveway and like going snowboarding playing ice, ice hockey outside like at the park and just the whole winter lifestyle is, is nice and humbling like you you forget about like all the little not the difficulties but like the little struggles that you have like every day like when you live the winter life and it's like man i can't wait to be back in florida absolutely i don't blame you man hey i gotta say congrats to you on your uh win over at the pro card qualifier in march that Thanks, was uh, pretty solid you, you did pretty good how'd you feel about that 
I was pretty pumped. Like, I, I thought it was kind of funny because I hadn't had to ever do the Pro Card qualifier yet, which uh, I judged the few past years. I judged for the event. And then I was actually riding, and I didn't realize how nervous, like, how nervous it makes people. Because it's like, you probably are going to get it, but because the odds, like the number of people entering and stuff, but then, like, you still have to put it together. And the riders that are attending are all good riders that have been competing for many, many years. So it's not like you're going up against, like, someone who's never competed. So why why did you have to uh, earn that pro card again this year? Um, because it's the top 15 of, from the World Series from the previous season. And then I think I was, like, 16th or 17th. Mm. So which means I had to get my pro card to, you know, keep riding. Which I thought you did. Fine. I thought you had a pretty solid season in in 2015. I I did, but what um what I did is I skipped out on the first two or three events. Like I didn't go to the event at BSR. I didn't go to California nor Brazil, which in the rankings hurts me in the end. But at the same time, like I stayed home and I was able to like learn tricks, which I haven't been able to do in a couple years because you're stuck traveling. And I'm one of the few guys that does cable events and does like events like wake the line and plastic playground and stuff like that so like i don't have that much time off and i do the rider malibu experience uh malibu rider experience series too so there there's a few weekends off which means like if you get the weekend off it's like three extra days to your week to ride sure so it's it makes it difficult if you're traveling that much and competing that much and doing so many things to just like go out there and just be like all right well i'm actually gonna try something new today yeah. Yeah. And, you know, from and, and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later. But from the looks of uh, of the videos that you released last year, you you definitely uh, got some new tricks last year. It's pretty, pretty solid. Thanks, man. Yeah, I was really stoked. It, it turned out pretty, pretty good filming with my hometown neighbor, John Ferguson, who's been my best friends for a really long time. And he's filmed all of Raf's big videos, too. So it was cool just to you know, like I said, like just stay home and learn a few tricks and then make a video with one of my oldest friends. So it was a really cool experience. Talk about a cool experience. How about today? I, I showed up out here in Claremont. I was on my way to your house and I got a text message and you say, hey, meet us over at this other address. And I get there and I didn't know your brother was in town. Raf's in town. Rathy's there. And we go out on your brand new Malibu M235 and that thing is insane. I was there for the uh, release of the boat with uh, Malibu in Savannah last winter, and I was stoked for the boat. It looks dope, but after watching you ride behind it and getting the opportunity to actually be in it, I had a, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this summer. How about you? Yeah, so am I. I'm really pumped on it. It's, it's a great-looking boat, and not very many people have been able to actually ride behind it, which only the few people that were the Pro Card qualifier. Um, so whoever is in town want to come for a rip on this massive wake hit me up and we'll try to arrange it but dude uh, i've got thousands of listeners right now you're offering oh man maybe i should have said that <laughs> yeah you're offering that right <laughs> out well dude i'm stoked i'm stoked for the summer uh with the m235 i i'm looking forward to getting a ride behind it um i can't wait to see how it barefoots 
Uh, I'm not sure if we can make it. I mean, if we empty it all, yeah. I'm sure we can get a barefoot speed. Well, but that might take a while because there's a lot of weight in it. Yeah, or trick ski or whatever. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I oh, yeah. you could you could wake trick ski like I've seen you do before. Yeah. Yep, or you know, go wake surfing. Rathy was out today. I could go dragging. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, Rathy actually is a world class wake dragger. Yeah, he's the and, best. And he he rode with us in Raf earlier and he killed it too. He had a really good set, so it was good to see him back on the water ripping. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about ripping. I want to jump into your story right now. Um, okay. I want to find out when you first got on the water. Um. So my dad was a water skier. He did three events growing up as a teenager, and he lived on the lake from the age of 12 or something like that, which when him and my mom got married and built a house, we were on the water as well on the same lake. So, um, I got a really early, I got a really early start, maybe not like Parks Bonifay young, but I was like out there at 18 months old. Same. Wait, you were out there at 18 months old? Yeah. I got photos and videos and it's really, really funny to see a little You're like Ollie. the Canadian Parks. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Times three. <laughs> parks was on, on the water at six months, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Which is gnarly. I can't even imagine. Okay. So 18 months, you're, you're already on the water and, and at this point, I, I assume you're water skiing. Yeah, I was on two planks and the skis are tied up together and the rope the rope is um, tied off to a boom and, you know, I'm just like standing there and dad's kind of like holding me in place to make sure I don't fall over. And then, I mean, we're four kids in my family and we've all gone through the same experience. Mom just had to sit there and <laughs> watch her kids like get get put on top of the water, which I'm sure was scary at the time, but we all went through that and um, we all started wake ski water skiing for for fun and then we started doing three events like my older sister and I started doing three events for Quebec Games which is just like a like a little provincial event that they have all the sports go and you do like the opening ceremony and all that stuff so I did that at nine which was pretty cool I learned how to jump just for it which was pretty pretty scary at the time and then my younger sister and my younger brother Raf also followed through the ranks and eventually growing up skateboarding and snowboarding in the winter like I saw a couple of teenagers wakeboarding on the lake and I was like, man, dad, I want to do this. I want to do this. Like it makes sense to be on a board sideways and stuff. And then I bugged them for like three years, I think. And I, on the last day of sixth grade, I came home from getting braces put on, which sucked, but I had a liquid force mini squirt 121, the one that Shane Bonifay rode, the blue with the yellow and red stars. Now your dad, he was a pretty serious skier right at one point he held some canadian records for jumping yeah he was a national champion in canada for jumping he won a gold at um canada games in 1974 if i remember properly it was in newfoundland too um but yeah he um he still water skis to this day like every every day in the summer when it's decent out like i'll take him for a rip or my brother will or some of his friends that he skis with will and it's just cool. Like, it's a family passion. And Was he hoping that you were going to follow in his footsteps with the water skiing? Um, I mean, I think out of all the, out of the four kids, I was the most into water sports. Obviously, Raph being six years younger, you know, like when I was 16, he was 10. So it's hard to be really into water skiing when you're 10, I guess. But when I transitioned to Wake, like I was really into it and like it started going well for me, just like doing little events in Quebec and then in Canada eventually. And I think he he was just stoked to have his kids, like, be able to share his passion for water sports. Like, 
it didn't matter if it was, you know, three eventing or wakeboarding. He just, he just wanted us to live our dream. And it just worked out that it was the same passion that he had that he, I guess, in a way transferred it to, to us. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so, uh, your area, Quebec, uh, yep. Montreal, uh, Coteau du Lac. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that? that's great pronunciation. So you guys have a lot of lakes out there. Is Toad Water Sports really big in that area? Yeah, it's pretty big. Like, there's a lot of, lot of lakes in, in Quebec. And, like, in our area, there's, like, one big lake. Basically, it's, like, uh, it's it's the St. Lawrence River, which goes into, like, the ocean. If you keep following, goes, like, it starts in the Great Lakes in Ontario, and then it channels through Niagara Falls and all the way to uh, to the ocean, like, past Three Rivers, Quebec City, and into, into that gulf. But um, there's a lot of lakes, like maybe 30 minutes north of Montreal. It's called the Laurentians. And that's where all the little ski resorts are at. And there's like, I don't know. I, I'm just guessing a number, like maybe like 35 lakes. So there's there's definitely a lot of waterways. Yeah. There. And th- I mean, there's a lot of people that do towed water sports. So uh, most of them for, for pleasure and just like tubing and wake surfing and, you know, some double blankers, slaloming, a couple wakeboarders here and there. Sounds like Wisconsin. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's pretty much like Wisconsin as far as the seasons go, too. So it's big because it only lasts two, three months. So it's like when it's summertime up north, it's like it doesn't matter rain or shine. It's like we're going out on the boat and Absolutely. we're having a barbecue. You and if it's raining, months. you bring the barbecue in the garage and you still you still get it done. You do it. You do it. Well, Ali, I personally feel like like you're one of the most well-rounded riders out there. You know, you already mentioned a little bit, um, you know, you're, you're one of those guys who's riding boat events, you're riding uh, cable events out at the park. And the fact is you've been doing contests for as long as I've been announcing. I don't know if you were doing junior men's, but I, I know the Jerome name has been around since I started uh, announcing uh, contests. But um, when do you feel like you really broke out broke out and people started to take notice of you um so my junior career was like two or three years i could never do the pro tour back then because i was in canada doing school and i obviously would never be able to ride before like april or may and that's when the first stop was um so i was never never able to go so i went to worlds twice as a junior actually three times but the first time i broke my leg the day before qualifying so i didn't get to compete which is another funny story itself um so i did juniors for two years at worlds and then as a pro like i moved to the projects to qualify on tour i didn't make it the first year and i blew my knee afterwards so that was that was a a big uh tough one to swallow and um after that i came back and did my rehab all winter and came back to the projects with two knee braces and uh, I qualified on tour, and then my brother also qualified as a junior, so 2008, no, 2007. So yeah, I came on tour in 2007, and then I guess like the second year of 08 is when I had my breakthrough. Like I got fourth at Worlds, I made finals like three times that season, I broke the top 10 in the overall of King of Wake, and I won the first Wake Lab in, in Orlando during Surf Expo. So that was like my breakthrough, which was, I mean, I, I could relive that year anytime. It was super fun. Would you consider that to be like your most successful year? Or? I wouldn't say my most successful year, but it was a really fun one just because like 
you know, you come in and you want to do as good as you can, but you don't really have too many expectations. You just want to do as good as you possibly can, like, as your own person. And you're riding with all of your, like, childhood heroes or teenage heroes. Like, riding with all those guys was really cool. And being on the dock and riding, like, against them is, like, mentally challenging. Also, as an athlete, when you're going up against your heroes, you're like, okay, like, I've looked up to these guys for so long, but, like, today I have to be as good or better than them. So that was, like, a, a funny but fun... Like, it was weird but fun to, like, go through that challenge of, like, that mental game, I guess, that you create within yourself. Yeah, but like, at this point, you I mean, you probably had already been riding at the projects and seeing the Pointless Boys and a lot of these guys coming through the projects, so, I mean... It, yeah, but that's the thing, like, Bithlow's so far away, if, if you guys don't aren't, aren't familiar with Orlando and Bithlow, like, it's about 35 minutes east, so it's, like, past UCF, even, and, uh... Like, guys would come out, like, but not as often as you think. Like, it gets pretty lonely. So, all I, like, that's all I cared about was just riding. So, I would work all day and then ride and then go to bed and wake up the next day, run the camp, ride, go to bed and start all over again. So, whenever I, I was able to have people come out or when I could get a day off and go ride with other riders, that was always really fun. I want to talk about Wake Brothers, if that's cool with you. <laughs> um, you. You just mentioned it a moment ago, so why not here? You lived with Phil Sovin for for a long time. I didn't for six realize, years. Yeah, I didn't realize that you that you lived out there for for so long. But you know, he, Phil's a guy who seems to catch a lot of heat, and he brings a lot of of it upon himself. Yeah, uh, he does. Uh, but what was it like living with him? Well, I lived there for six years. So the f the first four years I lived in Florida, or that I was in Florida, was at the projects in Bithlow. And then I moved into Phil, and the first year I was just, like, super excited not to have to wake up and work at camp all day and then maybe ride once or twice. So, like, I my expectations were really high. My brother just moved into Rathies. So, you know, it was going to be us four alongside with Bob, who had moved to... No, Bob didn't move there until the second year. Anyway, so it was just like a good crew of us, not too far from each other, and I, I expected to ride a lot, and we did ride a lot, just as not as much as I thought. Um, Phil is a sleeper; like he goes to bed late just because he's constantly like thinking and watching stuff and playing video games, also. But like he wouldn't, he wouldn't wake up early and go for a ride, which I had just had to find my own way to make it happen. So I'd go ride with Rathy or go ride with anybody else in the area. And that was a little disappointing at first. But then, like, it feels the kind of guy where when he's being shitty, it sucks. It's just like, man, I don't want to hang out with you. But when he's awesome, you're just like, this is awesome. We should do this more often. But then it's it's not predictable. You never know when it's going to be like, oh, Phil's going to be awesome today. Or when Phil's going to be shitty. It's just like, I don't know. We'll see when he wakes up and... It was just always a roll of the dice. It's got to push you, though, living with, like, like riding with Phil, too, though, right? Yeah, for when, sure. When like, he wakes you, up. <laughs> you never want to have a bad ride. Like, you know, he, he was king of wake for, like, I don't know, five years in a row. It was crazy. He was, like, unbeatable. I'd just be nervous riding behind Phil being like, oh, man, I fell. He's probably exactly. bent like, out of shape he, that like, needs to come pick me up. <laughs> Phil, Phil and Rusty are similar in that aspect where, like, you're riding with them and, like, if you fall, he's like, Come on, man, like, you're wasting my time, you're wasting my gas, like, come on, you make, you can do that, you can make it work, come on, come on, come on. So, like, it's kind of like the pressure of being in a contest when you ride with those guys. Like, you want to ride well, you don't want to, like, you know, look like you can't ride very well. 
Yeah, I I don't think that. I, I mean, I I like Phil. You know, obviously when he's in contest mode, sometimes he it, it's he's a little tough to to work with. But you know, he's a he's a nice guy, and uh, I, but I don't think I'd like to ride behind him because I'd be too nervous that I would fall. And <laughs> well, my first day. few rides with them, I was pretty nervous, and it, I was just starting my season. So imagine that, not riding for a couple months, and then you're like, all right, I'm just going riding with the best rider in the world at the time. Well, let's talk about Wake Brothers now. You were on the show, right? I was a little bit, yeah. I think out of the 12 episodes, I was in like, I don't know, like three, four, maybe five, something like that. What what was that like? Honestly, it was hectic. Like, they filmed everything in that house, which I lived in, and it was five-day weeks. So the days that were off were Mondays and Tuesdays, and we'd film from Wednesday to Sunday. So even the episodes, I wasn't featured in like i was around like there's a crew of like 12 or 15 people like cameras and sound guys and producers or all that stuff and they're all in the house starting at 8 a.m and they leave whenever the day's done sometimes like at two in the morning sometimes at i don't know like 10 o'clock so it just felt like overwhelming like you 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 know i remember a couple times like I couldn't ride at home because the boat would make noise and echo, and then that would affect the the sound bites. So then I'd have to make the effort to go ride elsewhere, and then come back, make myself lunch, and then like they're doing interviews, and then like if I had the bad luck of dropping my fork or my knife on my plate and make the ding sound, they I could I could hear like upstairs cut cut oh man who's in the kitchen, and then Ollie make some le- make less noise I'm just like what am I what am I supposed to do like you guys want to give me money so I can get lunch like come on like you're MTV you can do whatever you want like just let me live my life or give me money so I can go live my life somewhere else you guys I mean you guys were getting paid to do that too right yeah I mean I I don't know how much those guys got paid I hope they got paid more than we did I think we made a few hundred bucks per episode but the episode is five days like you're filming for five days to be featured, I don't know how long, like it doesn't matter how long you're in the show or the episode or whatever, but it takes a whole week. So it's like, I really want to ride this week, it's butter out, you can't because you're shooting the scene where Phil freaks out of Bob because Bob like did something ridiculous and then you're just like, all right guys, like can we just make it work and get this shot over so we can go ride and sometimes it was just hard to deal with. Overall, honestly, it was a fun experience like I, I, not that I would do it again, but like, it was, it was different, definitely different, and something that you won't be able to relive ever, probably. But it definitely ruined any sort of reality TV show out there for me, just because it's so crazy how everything is set up. It's like you and me having a conversation right now, and there's like two cameras and like two sound guys, and you said something properly, and they're like, hey, 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 cut. And you're like, what? Say that again, but like, try and say it that way. And then we're going to refilm from a different angle. And you're like, come on, man. Like, I forgot for a minute that the camera was there. I was just being myself. And then they want me to react something that I did naturally. So the only reality of reality TV is that you're not actors acting. What did you guys expect out of it from at the beginning? Anything? I mean, it it was really hard to have an idea what to expect. Like, I try not to have any expectations, but then, like, they're, like, trying to pump her tires, telling us it's going to be a big hit, and you're going to be famous and get paid big amounts of money, and I'm just like, I don't see it. Like, I couldn't, I didn't understand, like, how it was going to 
end up that way, but and it didn't. But it was it was a cool experience. Like when people ask me about the show, I just laugh like I, I did earlier. It's just like it was funny and it was a good experience, but I wouldn't probably wouldn't do it again. Well, they 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 showed a lot of animosity between Bob and Phil, and I don't know how much of that was staged and how much of that was real. But the show only lasted one season. Now you and your brother Rafterome, yeah, you guys are maybe. Canadian Wake Brothers. Do <laughs> you think the show would have lasted if it was uh, about you two? I mean, it would definitely would have been a different plot. Like, Phil and Bob are very different, and so are my brother Raph and I. But we get along much better than they did because they get along okay now, which, like, it's crazy how that show made them not get along at all afterwards. It just created so much animosity in between them. More than they ever was. Like, I remember living with them before the show. It wasn't that bad. And then after the show, it was crazy. But with Raph, like, we don't get to spend that much time together because we're on different schedules and different destinations, and we just have different obligations. And he also has an apartment or a condo downtown in Montreal, which he shares with his girlfriend that he's had for a couple years. And I spend my spring and fall here and then summer and winter back in Canada. So even when we're both in Canada, like we only see each other a few times, a few times a week, like we'll go play hockey once or twice and go snowboarding maybe once and then work out another day. And we would definitely, it would definitely be a total different vibe of but entertaining. It would, yeah, it would be entertaining for sure. Probably a little bit of karaoke. There would be some karaoke in there for sure. Hey guys, coming up this May 13th through 15th on Lake Las Vegas. It's the Malibu Boats Rider Experience and Western Wakeboard Regionals hosted by Boulder Boats. I recently had an opportunity to sit down with the owner of Boulder Boats, Christina Litchens, and here's what she had to say. We are so excited. We are so excited for everyone to get to be a part and see this venue and really just have this one-of-a-kind, unique, um, typically not available for any power boats to be on, but Lake Las Vegas has opened it up and allowed us to have this you know, awesome one-of-a-kind event, and we love it. We are super excited to be hosting it yet again. Okay, and we were out on uh, Canyon Lake here just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. It had to be one of the biggest turnouts for the entire 2015 season as far as the regionals and the rider experience went. Uh, What are your thoughts on it? It was an amazing lake. It was great. Uh, We really enjoyed having so many of the international junior pros come out. Um, Us just opening up a place in Phoenix, you know, we we were overwhelmed by the participation. And I think it goes, our crew out here um, is very deep-seated and really well-known within the water sports community. And I think just, you know, knowing all of that and reaching out to all these guys that rode for 20 plus years, it was just, you know, some good, really good riders just wanted to have a meetup and really just wanting something like rider experience in this area. And it was just really well received. We were happy to be a part of it. What makes the rider experience so special to Boulder Boats? Well, a couple of things. One, the fact that it's open to all ages and abilities. That's awesome. Malibu Boats has really just shown so much support with the coaching. And, you know, we really love that so many of these young families are just, you know, new families. They come out and, you know, we really try to go that extra step by making the experience good from A to Z. And that's, you know 
learning how to weight your boat properly, really learning, you know, any different type of sport, whether it's now wake surfing versus whatever you were doing. And, and we love that, you know, education process. And then also that you could go out and if you're feeling comfortable enough, no matter if it's your little kids yourself, you can go out and ride and be a part of it and then get to see some amazing talent with some of the older riders and some of the junior pros. It's really just truly a one of a kind, much needed event. And we love it. We love being a part of it. 2015 in Phoenix was a huge success, but what else can we expect from this year's rider experience, West? You can expect all the glitz and glamour Vegas has to bring. I mean, we are really going to try to show the you know best that we can as far as the venue itself, private lake, add that kind of Vegas flair to it. Where you know you can go out. It's a very resort style lake where we're going to have fun. We're going to have parties. We want everyone you know shore to shore, elbow to elbow, having fun on the water and watching. And it's really different. We we love the shoreline of going to a pro tour, going to somewhere where you could just go out and you know camp out and we like that style um so but we do want to try this you know different venue where you can stay in a really nice resort but then go out and see a water sports contest and then at the end of the night have a cool party on a beach and that's really what we're going to do out there it's going to be fun it's going to be great well, I know I'm going to be out there, but for anybody who listens to this and wants to find out more information about Boulder Boats or the Malibu Rider Experience West, where can they go? Uh, well, we do have a link on our website, so www.boulderboats.com. Um, always, we have a huge link to Rider Experience, which is the WWA, uh, everything that you need as far as the link for booking and lodging to your divisions and to sign up for your WWA uh, package for the year. Absolutely. So anything that you need, either Boulder boats.com or the wwa or malibu rider experience so malibu boats also has it on their homepage. any of those you'll be able to find it easy peasy christina thank you so much and looking forward to seeing you guys in las vegas this may thank you dano see you guys out there all right now let's get back to the conversation with my guest here on the golden mike podcast the one and only ollie derome well you know looking at at you and your brother you guys have taken it looks to me like different paths industry wise yeah. you seem to really have a focus on contests both boat riding cable riding and and really just it seems like you like to be at events or at least you're at a lot of events where raf over the last couple of seasons it really seems like his focus has been more on you know video video type stuff uh for you do you ever feel like man like do you ever feel like Maybe Raph has it easier than you, or... It's a total, total different lifestyle and total different amount of pressure. Like, Raph crushed contests for many years. Like, before, I guess as a junior man, like, he did well in boat contests, but he never was able to, you know, like, pull it off the way he would have or should have. And then when Relevant started popping up, he, he just blew up. Like, I remember going to Fees in France the first year, and, you know, it was supposed to be the Kevin Henshaw and Keith Lidberg show. And then a few other riders showed up and Raph won. And, like, he just grew from there, like, as a cable rider. And he just won every contest after that for, like, three or four years in a row before he hurt his elbow. It was crazy. He would win everything. And then he was out for a full season. And then he came back and he came back exactly where he left off. He won Wake the Line. He won Rising High. He, he would win everything so that also helped his boat riding because he had the confidence to pull it off so like wake open he he got third he could have won if he wouldn't have 
fell on his um on his double up but i don't know like it we've taken different paths after that because we did contests together for so long after that he start like he always filmed little videos at the end of the year and then he had a big project that an idea that he gave birth to where he filmed for a full season and i just kept doing contests and kept doing what i was doing and it was crazy that year like every event i would go to like as many it, it was there was no difference if you were a fan or a rider people would come up to me like where's raf why haven't we seen him why haven't we heard about him what's he doing and i'm like oh he's just filming a video yeah but when's it coming out oh i don't know probably surf expo what's he been doing building stuff and no, I, I was one of those guys and it I was crazy like it just created like a big empty spot everyone was just like where is he like what's he doing is he still riding did he quit like and then i remember like he was catching heat like everyone was like what'd you do all year you just stayed home and like you're a professional athlete you're supposed to like be doing stuff and when the video came out it was like everything went 180 like everyone was like oh my gosh if you need to take another season off next year to come out with something as mind-blowing as this do it like we don't care anymore but like for a while it was it was diff I, i know it was difficult for him just because like the video was ready but for some reason um it wasn't being released and that kind of Created. Was that because of his sponsor? His sponsors wanted to let uh, leave it set. Well, the the ready? sponsor he he did a video with. Um, they have a big media outlet, and for some reason it was just lagging and it wasn't releasing when it was supposed to, and it drug out for like three weeks. And during those three weeks, it just wasn't fun for for Raf. Yeah, well, you know, the video ended up coming out, and uh, you know, I, I think after that, Raf ended up winning what Rail Rider of the Year two two years in a row, um, or video he, section of the he year. He won video section uh, or video performance. He won Rail that. Rider. I think that was the fourth time, th third time he won it last year, if I remember properly. Yeah, so he's 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 gone on, had some some success, and and I think the videos obviously have definitely have played a huge part in that. And you know, speaking of videos, you had a couple of video drops in 2015, early 2016. You had the uh, My Wake um, Web Video of the Year. I think that that you were that you were in the yep. running for, and then yeah, I ended uh, up placing second on that, which I was pretty pretty stoked about. And then the follow video, which well, how long did that release? Like four weeks ago, or yeah. Well, the follow video is basically what we were planning on doing originally with Jonathan, the filmer, or still not famous productions, is is a Vimeo account. If you guys want to check it out, um, so that's what we planned on doing at first. And then when I saw that video come out, and we had like quite a bit of footage already, I think it was like October. And I was just like, why don't we, why don't we just submit it? Like, make the video, submit it. And it was kind of crappy, like, because there's only like five or six or eight songs like you could choose from to build the edit. And there's so many regulations, like you had to have shots with like a vest on at all times. And when you're winching or hitting rails, like at at a 2.0 park, like you don't always wear a vest. And it's just like there was some certain things that you had to do. And John's not super into rules, especially when it comes to videos, because it's art, you know, like you just want to create, you make it look the way you wanted to make it look. So and I ended up com convincing him and we made it in time and we ended up second, which we won a little bit of money for, which made it worthwhile. And it, it was cool to get some coverage and to, you know, to get it out there and be involved. And then we just made a re-edit with most of that footage and all the other footage 
he should have used or could have used, but, you know, there's time limits or whatever. And he picked the song that he wanted to edit to, and he made it the way he wanted to make it originally. Sure. And it came out it came out really, really good. Now, was that Thank the first you. time you had worked with John Ferguson, like, on that? It was the first time in probably, like, five years, I think. Um, we'd done some stuff before, but not, like, a full, I guess, like, I say, like, a full year edit, but realistically, we filmed, like, 20 days, like, 20 different days that we filmed together throughout the summer to make it happen. Which I'm really surprised how well it came together. Like I didn't think I was able to get everything I was able to get that quickly, but I guess it worked out. Yeah, you got a lot of new tricks in there, and man, it, yeah, it was it was really good. Unfortunately, I don't know. I, I didn't see the results. Who won the that My Wake Web Edit of the Year? Who ended up? Getting... It was Daniel Grant. Oh, really? Yeah. So the way they did, like, there's like a the top five guys that get the most views get like bonus points. So he got second, I think, in view, so he got bonus points, and I was in sixth because it didn't matter if it was a wake surf, wakeboard, or, you know, like it was all mixed in together. And for some reason, those wake surf videos got a crazy amount of views, and people pumped them out, so I missed out on a few points there, and that made the difference. Hey, man, that'll happen regardless. Video's yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, in the end, like on the moment, I was a little bummed. But then, in the end, it's just like, whatever. We made a good video. I was pu- I was proud of the writing I did. John was happy with the second edit he made out of it. And in the end, everyone was happy, so it was cool. Nice. Let's uh, move forward. Let's talk about Tokyo 2015. I read somewhere that uh, your Tokyo trip, I was there. We had a good you were. time. We did. Um, it was the Malibu Evolution Pro Series, I think the second That's stop right. of the 2015 season. Yep. Insane insane spot huh that was your first time out to tokyo right it was my first time in japan um i didn't really know what to expect like you hear all these crazy stories and you see videos of all this crazy stuff happening and um you show up and we're right in front of the tokyo bridge and we're riding in that bay and like in in your head you're like wow this is amazing i can't believe i'm riding here and then like next second you're thinking man, there's probably radiation in the water. Like, I don't want to fall. I shouldn't go swimming. Like, I I shouldn't be in the water too long or I shouldn't be here. <laughs> and then next thing you know, the event's over and you just go into this crazy adventure of the jungle of Tokyo. We're a place where you can't understand a word anybody says. and You can't read anything. Not many people speak English. Although everyone's super nice and respectful, which is makes traveling f- enjoyable and easy. But then, like, the harder part was, like, you have no idea where you're going. Like, you look at the metro map, and you're just blown away. There's, like, a hundred and something stations. There's, like, 30 or 40 different, like, routes. And you're just, like, okay, I'm trying to go to Shibuya Square. And then you're just looking, and, like, it's a huge wall. It's, like, huge. And you have no clue where you're at. And, like, thank God, like, Brian Thomas, the team manager for Malibu, was out there with us, and he'd been there once or twice. So he knew his way around a little bit, so that helped out, and he knew a couple cool spots to take us to. And that was really fun. Like one night we we went out to this one weird bar club where everyone ended up partying, and that was really fun. But like it, before the night started, we went to a little little karaoke spot, and you were there, and that was really fun too. It was just like one of those um, private rooms, and we just started picking songs and the karaoke machines in Japanese, so we we don't even know how to select the songs we want to, and, and there's no AC, everyone's sweating. <laughs> Bunch of dudes, we made a good time out of it anyways. We definitely did. But hey, you, 
you knew this was going to come anyways. The Talking about Tokyo, I had Tara Mikasich on the podcast. and I, I asked thought you her, were going to bring out another story, but sure, let's talk about that. <laughs> um, Tara and I chatted about this, and I know she was a little <laughs> standoffish about the conversation, but she was still a, a champ about it. Yeah, Tara punched her brother in the face, uh, allegedly. She did. Yeah, I want to literally. Hear your side she, of the story. She fully punched him in the jaw. Um, so we went out for a little team dinner. So it was like Parker, Siegley, Massey, Bryant, myself, Phil, Tara, and Raf. And it's like a shabu shabu, which is like a a bowl of boiling broth, and you just have a bunch of meat, raw, raw meat, and then you just have a bunch of veggies, and you just you know dip and you know let your cook let let your meat cook in in the broth and you eat it, whatever. And we're all having a few drinks and we're all having a good time. And then like Massey like cuts out eyes and a mouth and one of the pieces of meat and puts it on his face. And we're just like, Oh my gosh, like that's disgusting. What are you doing? So then like, we just start like throwing stuff at each other a little bit, like just playfully. And then Brian's like, all right guys, like we're not doing this here. Let's go. So we get the bill, we leave. And then as those guys are leaving, Parker and I get a cloth, like one of those tablecloths, like to wipe your face or whatever, and we fill them up with raw meat and stuff in our pockets. And um, the cloths are a little moist, so after walking around for a little bit before we get our jeans to wet, we pull it out and we start like throwing meat at each other in the streets, which is pretty funny. Sure, we, <laughs> it was really ridiculous to, for us to be doing that, but we we're having a good time. And um, you know, before you know it, there's no meat left to throw around, so like there's only two cloths. So, like, you just start throwing the cloth at each other because it's kind of wet and whatever. And there's, you know, it's like a little pink-red because there's a bit of, like, blood that was absorbed in it. So, we're walking around and I remember Raf gets the cloth and he looks at Tara. And Tara looks, like, super nonchalant about it. Like, like what's up? And Raf's like, you're not scared? She's like, no, you guys wouldn't do that to me. And then, like, I remember, I mean, Raf and I are pretty similar in that way. That we're just like, I can't believe she's like, doesn't think that we'll include her in, like, her stupidity like the stupid things we're doing in your raw meat fight it it wasn't raw meat anymore it was just like a wet cloth that had been in contact with raw meat so maybe worse (laughs) so we're walking and we're like honestly like 30 feet away from the hotel and we're all in line like scattered and the last person tara saw with the towel is raf and raf chucks it and lands on my shoulder and tara's like within like two or three arms reach away from me and by instinct, like, I just grabbed the towel and tossed it at the first person, like, to me, and that was Tara, and she's ahead of me, like, diagonally a little bit. I remember she was to my right, and I left-hand tossed it over, which I'm right-handed. I can't throw very well, but it kind of, like, just goes over, and on its way down, grazes her face and her hair, and then lands on the ground, and she turns around, and then she's like, the last person I saw with this was Raph. So she turns around and just straight up walks to Raph. She puts her arm around his neck and then just clocks him in the jaw. And I'm just like, oh my god! Does she have a pretty good hook? Yeah, she's got a good, she's got a fierce punch. She's in good shape. And I was just like, oh my god! So I blew up. I was like, I can't believe you just punched my brother. I did that. Then she walks over to me, punches me in the shoulder, and I'm like, I hope you're gonna apologize. And she was so overwhelmed with like all the emotions that had happened like in all the events that had happened that she like turned around and she couldn't even speak she was just like ah like i can't remember what sound she made or what she said but it was crazy and then like we all kept walking into the hotel and then we all looked at each other like i can't believe this just happened and she's like 
also like i i bet she couldn't believe what just happened and we're just like all going to her rooms and then like i remember talking to bryant i was like yeah i can't believe that just happened that was crazy he's like yeah man like i don't know and i was like damn like tomorrow's finals we're all riding in finals the whole malibu team made finals but then like rafters got punched in the face by tara who i pissed off and she hit me too so i'm just like i'm just gonna go like say apologize or whatever so i go up to her room and like she's not very she's not feeling it she's not feeling too good she's on the phone with kobe her husband and i'm just like hey kobe like and then she hangs up with she hangs up on Kobe, and then we just talk it out like, "Hey, I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't have thrown the towel, but you probably shouldn't have hit my brother." But like, like it's all good. Like hey, we're all adults what? here. Like at the end of the day, what happened? She went out and she almost won the contest. The next she did. Day, right? And Raph almost won in one of the contests too. So, so yeah, it it, it was it, it was out. a crazy story. Yeah, it was a crazy moment. I couldn't believe how quick it escalated. Yeah, well, it it was funny. I wish I would have been there for it. I definitely heard a lot about it, but it's it's always good to hear uh, uh, your all's sides of <laughs> of the story. Uh, as we get closer to the finish of the uh, episode or the interview, just got a few more questions here. Um, I think this must have been like three Wake Awards ago, maybe 2012, oh, I don't know. You and Bob Sovin. Uh, cross-dressed we did uh to present the women's rider of the year award i want to find out uh, how was that liberating for you guys <laughs> not at all that was really stressful hey, what was that it was, it was funny like preparing like wearing i mean i have i still have those jeans they're like thrift store zebra jeans um and then did anybody know you were doing it or did you guys go backstage i didn't even know till the day of bob's like hey we're gonna dress as woman because we're announcing women's rider of the year and i was like okay um all right and then like i guess he had picked out a couple things and alexa score helped us out like doing her hair and like whatever and then we show up we're in the back and we're changing and we're putting these i don't know if you call them stilettos or high heels or whatever and i'm just like i can't believe i'm gonna do this right now and then bob's just like let's just go with it so we went out there and did it and it was slightly embarrassing but really funny at the same time it was definitely not liberating but um yeah, we we went out there, we announced it, we made it happen. Probably one of the biggest pops from the crowd the entire night. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were loving it. They thought it was pretty I funny. don't know if they loved it or not, but we definitely got a reaction out of it. But yep. let me tell you about that moment. Not very not very many people know about that, but we're announcing, you know, Women's Rider of the Year award. And I didn't go to practice because Bob didn't tell me when practice was, like the rehearsal or whatever. So on stage like, you know, you, you're top you know, on top of the stage, talking to the whole public, the whole scene that's there. You're dressed as a woman to start with, which makes it even more awkward. And we're reading through the list, and I forget that there's an envelope with the actual name. So I guessed who the writer of the year was. And thank God I guessed it right. It was Amber Wing. But, like, I couldn't believe, like, after it happened, like, I was just like, Bob looks at me, and he flips the envelope, and the envelope's closed. And he looks at me, and I'm just like... I don't know, like, I just, I just guessed it, and then, like, we talked in the, in the back after, it was like, I don't know, you didn't tell me about rehearsal, so I didn't know where the envelope was, like, I knew there was one, but, like, I just, for some reason, I got stressed out and just wanted to say it, and I guessed the right one, it could have been a disaster, it could have been, like, that one guy. Steve Harvey. Exactly, it could have been, like, Steve Harvey. A Steve that, Harvey moment. Oh, man, that would have been so embarrassing. That would have been a bummer, but, hey, so, uh, needless to say, you've never been asked to do Wake Awards again. No, no, I'm just joking. No, I haven't. And I haven't won an award since either, which I never have, but I've never been back on the stage. Hey, may, 
let's make 2016 your year. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, one thing I wanted to talk about, and hopefully, the, hopefully this too is okay because um, <laughs> out in the boat, I kind of got a, a a tongue lashing from you for it. Your warm up. Oh yeah, what about it? This is. This is something I've seen you do for a long time. I don't know if it's kind of a ritual. I actually talked about this with Travis Moy on his episode. Um, I was talking about rituals for wakeboarders, and your name came up because I, for years, <laughs> I've been watching you on the dock before you go off, and you, you've got your whole, you've got your whole stretch. I mean, you could probably talk us through your warm up right now. Well, yeah. I mean, after so my first year, I moved to the projects. Like I said, I blew my knee. And then coming back from that, like, I just realized, like, not to take anything for granted. And, you know, if it takes five minutes to warm up before you try, just take the time and warm up. Like, it's sure it's a little effort. And the reason I don't like it is because obviously it looks goofy, like, just running and going nowhere and jumping and doing, like, whatever the exercises are. But it just kind of looks goofy. And for some reason, every time I'm warming up, like, Everyone who's got a camera in the in in that vicinity is just like trying to film it. I'm just like, why would you want like footage of Ollie just jumping around, like running, going nowhere, doing jumping jacks and whatever it is he's doing? Like, I, it's just you're not into it. I mean, it, I just don't understand why people want to film it. <laughs> I'll tell you why, because it's funny. Exactly, <laughs> but exactly. I understand warming up, heating up. So, how about some other rituals? I mean, dude, you've been around for so long. I asked the same thing to Travis, but have you ever noticed? Okay, he brought up Andrew Atkinson. Andrew Atkinson, I guess, at a contest, won't let anybody touch his handle. Yep, I've he seen won't that. give high fives. He just nope. fist bumps. Yeah, I did that for like a, a season and a half, maybe, just because sunscreen and like your your handle gets slippery, and then you're just like, oh my gosh, like. There's no soap on the dock, and then, like, if you need to clean your handle or your hands, like, you got to run all the way back to wherever the the closest bathroom is to wash your hands because your hand, like, you don't want your handle to be slippery and whatnot. Well, we all know your ritual. Are there any other rituals from any other athletes or riders that, that stick out to you? Um, I mean, there's guys like Steele and Massey who usually have their huge headphones on probably the beats by dre and they're probably listening to some funny like hip-hop beats or whatever and they right before they they leave they just give it off to whoever's the closest hey can you put that in my pile but one of the funniest ones and it it shows his character perfectly is randall harris i remember he used to wear his sunglasses he's in his boots ready he's still got his sunglasses and right before he jumps off he takes his sunglasses off and then goes and i always thought that was super funny um, and cool in its own way. Um, other rituals that people do. Um, I know I've, I've seen Nico do some, uh, Nico von Lenchenfeld, the German cable rider. I've seen him do some, some sort of Tai Chi before riding and stuff, which I think is pretty cool in its, in its own way. Um, let me think. I mean, Raph warms up before he rides too. Like we you know, we do pretty much the same warm ups, high knees, running plays, jumping jacks, squat jumps, whatever. Um, I, I admit I do it too, but usually not when people. If people are around, because then I think if I'm doing it personally, then I think people think that they're going to get a real good show <laughs> out of me on the water. So, so I, I tend to try go into the bathroom or whatever and do a couple of of, of stretches. But as you can <laughs> see right now, I don't really have much 
movement rate. Well, it's more of a yeah. warm up. It, you need to get your blood flowing. You pump your blood up, and not you know stretching is nice. Probably it's better afterwards. Right, after. a little bit of both, maybe. Yeah, exactly. A little bit of both. We're almost finished here, man. Uh, what kind of uh, projects or goals do you have for 2016? Um, I really enjoyed last season where I was able to learn some tricks and film a cool video or two, which I'm hoping to do again this year. Um, and then I just want to be the best Ollie that Ollie can be on and off the water, learning tricks and competing. And, you know, if I'm going out to do demos or clinics or coaching or whatever, I just want to show everyone in the boat a good time and hopefully teach him a thing or two and, you know, just get them amped on, on wakeboarding and going on in the boat and just enjoying water sports in general. Very cool. And uh, you you uh, lined up for any events, appearances, where people listening might be able to, to come meet up with you, see you, get a high five, um, fist bump? I should be doing most of the World Series. I'm not sure if there's any that I might not do at this time right now. Like on my calendar, I have them all checked in as that I want to do them. I will be doing the rider experience in Montreal, my home, obviously. I'm doing also the one in Houston, I think is in June. That's what I can tell you off the top of my head right now. All the other events, um, the cable events are usually in Europe. Cool, man. Well, hey, I'll see you there. I'm yeah, sure, for I'm sure. sure we'll be at all the same events. So yep. I'll be sure to include you on some of the audio montages that I do in, sure. in the episodes. I, you were already on the... Uh, Steel Lafferty episode. Really? Yeah. We had the audio montage from the Pro Card Qualifier. We got oh, some yeah. good sound bites from you. Cool. Where can people find you on social media, Ollie? Uh, it's just Ollie DeRome, O-L-I-D-E-R-O-M-E, in one go, either on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You got the blue check? What's the blue check? That means you're legit. That means it's you. Yeah, I'm not legit. Not yet. Me neither. I'm, I mean, I really don't care for fame. <laughs> You just, you just. I just want to live a humble life and enjoy what I'm doing. If you're I'm, just doing you, man. Exactly. Like, what's what's fun about going out and not being able to do you without people looking at you and judging you and take, trying to take photos of you? That sucks. Well, then I guess it's a good thing that the Wake Brothers never really took off, right? There you go. <laughs> um, shout outs, family, friends, sponsors. Um, shout out. Well, obviously my family, my mom and dad, France et Julien, Catherine, Julie, Raph. Derek, Marli, euh, Milan, Julie et Simon avec leur petit Lennox. Et puis, uh, that's my family en French. And then my friends, you guys know who you are. And my sponsors, obviously, Slingshot, Malibu, Rockstar, Follow, Tommy's, CTI. And uh, yeah, Dano, thank you for, for what you're doing for wakeboarding and water sports and coming out here and doing some podcasts to help people get through their days. Ali, thank you for uh, having me out here today. I had a great time in the boat watching you guys ride and uh, hanging out for the last, you know, 45 minutes, hour here in your bedroom. Yeah, it's... The door it's, closed. It's pretty, clo- it's pretty cozy. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Ali Jerome, thank you, sir. No worries. Thanks, you, Daniel. T4 belts are the newest wakeboarding accessory to hit the market. Made of premium TPE thermoplastic, C4 belts are waterproof and backed by a lifetime guarantee. Available in multiple colors and designs, 
C4 allows you to mix and match straps and buckles to create your own unique color combinations. C4 stands for Choose Your Color, Choose Your Cause. Use code MANO2016 at C4Belts.com for 10% off your purchase. Look good, do good. C4 Belts. GoPuck is a mountable, compact, durable, and portable rapid charging battery. The technology behind GoPuck started in the indie car racing industry, and now they're bringing their passion about light, fast, and powerful products to the world of action sports. GoPuck allows you to stay connected, capture priceless moments, and most importantly, enjoy mobile freedom. The GoPuck can hold up to five rapid charges. If you know me, you know I don't go anywhere without mine. GoPuck is available at Performance Ski and Surf or online at GoPuck.com. Use promo code MANO2016 for an extra 20% off at GoPuck.com. That's GoPuck.com. The Golden Mike Podcast is back with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products. Ollie Jerome. If I could do anything as good as he speaks English, his second language, oh, it'd be pretty special. I had fun recording with Ollie. We started the night off on his boat, his all-new Malibu M235. It was cool to see the guys ride, especially just before the big event in Orlando. Ollie's on fire right now. He's killing it on the boat, and I know he was headed to Shredtown for this year's Shredtown Jamboree Contest, closing out April. He seems to be in a good place within the industry. He's driven. He's diverse, and he's a hard worker, and that's all very important at this point in the game. It was good to hear Ali's story, but I'm lucky enough to actually know his family, and of course his brother Raphael, and his parents, who were cool enough last year to open their lake for all of us in the Malibu Rider Experience event. In fact, we're going back this year, and the date's August 12th through the 14th. It's right outside Montreal, which also happens to be a really cool city, so come see us. Or better yet, sign up and ride. If you listeners are interested in seeing, or more importantly, hearing me at any events this season, here's a short list of where I'll be. May 6th and 7th, I'm heading to Texas Ski Ranch for Cable Stock. We're recording live there, and as always, I'm looking for a good time on and off the water. Don't forget about their world-famous bikini contest. May 13th through the 15th, I'll be on Lake Las Vegas with the crew at Boulder Boats for the Malibu Rider Experience West and Pro Card Qualifier. Back to Orlando May 21st for the second stop of the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour. Memorial Day weekend is the Nautique Masters of Water Skiing and Wakeboarding out there in Georgia. June 3rd and 4th, Heiko Lake, North Carolina for the Malibu Rider Experience South. June 9th, 10th, and 11th, I'll be in Portugal for the Nautique Pro-Am. June 25th, Gravel Tour, back in Orlando, Florida with Performance Ski and Surf. And we celebrate the 4th of July weekend, July 1st through the 3rd, in Reno, Nevada, for the first stop of the 2016 Malibu Boats Evolution Pro Series. Shoot any questions or comments to my email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com, or message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. Remember, follow me on social media, on Twitter at TheDanoTMano and at the golden underscore Mike on Instagram at DanoTMano. And if you're not doing so already, make sure you like the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. One more thank you to Ollie Derome 
And now a few shout-outs to the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to Sea Deck Marine Products, Performance Ski and Surf, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Boulder Boats, GoPuck, Hungry Boards SUP, Malibu Boats, Logos That Pop, C4 Belts, and Rockstar Energy. That's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. Be sure to keep listening right now for the Amateur Division's audio from the 2016 Nautique Wake Open. Guys, I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Lomano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast. The Executive Director of the World Wakeboard Association, Mrs. Corey Wilson. Corey, Nautique Boats and the WWA have brought the wake open back here in Orlando, Florida. We're glad to be back in Orlando. Orlando is the home of wakeboarding. It's where the WWA office is. And so to bring it back uh, is a great start to the season. Everybody's friends and family are here. So it's always a great turnout and a great time. This is Francisco Basis. I competed in the Masters Division and the Amateur Weight Skate Division that I took the win. Wake Awards Photographer of the Year and the Chief Photographer out here at the Nautique Wake Open presented by Rockstar Energy, Rodrigo Donoso. What are you thinking so far? I'm thinking there's a lot of new talent and everybody's looking like they're riding really good. Clearly the wake is massive and it's showing because everybody out here is just killing. Bob Chin from Mooresville, North Carolina, out here at the Wake Open. Uh, got first. I'm Allison Lavrak, and I just won the girls' division at the Wake Open. The president of the Nautique brand, Mr. Greg Maloon. How special is this for you guys? The riding was fantastic for the first event out of the box. Of course, uh, a few of the guys got to warm up down in down under at the Moomba Masters, and so you know things got kicked off for the season. Looking forward to a great season happening behind the G23. I'm Alex Meek, and I won the boys' beginner at the Nautique Wake Open. I'm Jorge Alberto, I'm from Mexico, and I just won Junior Man in Wake Open. Hola, I'm Carrera Leo from Mexico, and I had a lot of fun with my friends. I'm Zippy Meek, and I won the Begano Boys. Hi, I'm Connor Prigato, and I just won the Adaptive Wakeboarding Division in the Nautique Wake Open. And I can't, I'm super excited to be a part of the Nautique family. I can't wait for the 2016 season. Uh, my name is Julia Meyer. I'm stoked to win my division master woman. I'm Dale Cartwright with Revolution Cable out of Naples, Florida. Stoked to start the season with a veteran's win, 40 and over. Thank you. The winner of the girls 10 to 13 division at the Nautique Wake Open, Little Miss Holly Waldrop. How did you feel about your win at the Wake Open? I felt really good. It was really awesome. I'm pretty stoked about it. I'm Nick Kanker and I'm um, super pumped to win the Masters Division here. Hey guys, what's up? I'm Kevin Duffy. I'm 14 years old from Deland, Florida. Just won the 10 to 14 boys at the Nautique Wake Open. How's it going guys? I'm Jared Franco from Boca Raton, Florida. Out here representing University of Florida. Just came in first place in the men's one division. I'm Piper Harris and I'm the women's wake skate champion. Hey, it's Zoe Luquette from Las Vegas and I'm the champion of junior women's wakeboarding. And now give it up for your amateur wakeboard division podiums. <laughs>